KFI AM 640, Bill Carroll. We're going to get to some serious business now about nuclear waste in the San Fernando Valley. NBC4 is working on a great story about that. Great and a good for them, exclusive kind of way. Not great news, though, for people living in the San Fernando Valley. And it's a scary story about government cover-up and stuff. But Brian is now, he's go- he's gone Google mad on this story about people swallowing spiders in their sleep. I never believed eight spiders a year, but I, I think that in your lifetime, the average human being might swallow some spiders in their sleep. But this now, this latest article, you have this spider expert. Oh, the spiders don't like people. They stay away from people entirely. And they're, they're not going to go into your bed. You're breathing and snoring. And I've been bitten by spiders in my sleep many times. Don't tell me they don't go into your bed. And if they crawl up, I have a spider bite on my neck. It's possible that they could get into your mouth. But I would think maybe in your lifetime you might eat a couple of spiders. How stupid are spiders? We are giants to them. Why don't they just leave us alone? I think we're so big they don't even notice. We're just part of the uh, landscape. and they, they, don't, they don't realize that we're even alive. That's what I think. And then they just crawl over your mouth and you go, <coughs> it's gone. Come but on, when you- they bite us, I mean, you don't bite an inanimate object. Like, they know what they're doing when they're biting. Well, maybe, or maybe they react because you rolled over and they start to panic because you're going to squish them. They could have been in your bed hunting for bed bugs. You probably have a bigger problem on your hands if, you're, if you have bed bugs that the spiders are attracted to. I'm just done. I'm never sleeping again. This is over. Thank you for ruining my life. Hey, I was driving uh, home from Carlsbad yesterday with Killian in the backseat. He'd had a hockey game. And, uh, he, you know, he sleeps with the mouth wide open. I rolled down the window to see if we could get maybe some bugs flying in and see if I could. Just as a little game. You never done that with your kids? Try to torture them in your sleep. You're looking at me like no one else has ever done that. Hey, I was bored. What is it with kids? You think they're going to be good company in a long drive. They sleep the whole time. On Saturday night when we went down, I waited for traffic to pass, and I punch in my GPS. Carl's bad, okay? Right, that's going to be It's almost San Diego, right? It's a long drive. And the thing pops up. It's an hour and 40 minutes. Oh, it's not so bad. I can live with that. And then I'm driving down the five, and it's like I'm driving backwards. You ever feel like you have to check out the window to make sure you're not going in reverse because it's saying an hour 45, an hour 48, an hour 53, two hours and five minutes, two hours and 10 minutes, two hours and 23 minutes. It just kept getting worse. Like, what? So then I go to the little feature that lets you pick alternatives, and it's saying we don't recommend any detours because the problem is right by, by Camp Pendleton. And really, there's no there's no other way you can go now. You get that far south, you are stuck. And it's nighttime, so I don't even get the ocean view. It's just, I'm in the dark. But you know the bizarre thing was I called Sylvie to complain. So I wanted to wake her up if I got to drive in this because I need someone to keep me focused. And then it just started to go back down again. And by the time I got to wherever the problem was, they were towing the car away. And it didn't impact me. And I was still like just over an hour and 45 minutes. wasn't so bad. But don't you hate that GPS when it's going backwards on you? It's like a cruel prank. And you never believe it either, right? It's all right. It's modern technology. You still don't believe it. All right. So let's get on to this big story that NBC has. And we got a little bit of time we can spend with uh, Joe Grover, who is uh, working on this big story about one of the biggest nuclear meltdowns in the country. And it took place in our own backyard. It's airing in two parts today and tomorrow, NBC4. At 11 p.m., Joel is on the line right now. How are you doing, Joel? Bill, thanks for having me on. I'm doing great. 
and I'd... thank you for having me on to talk about this. I have to say, in my 25-year investigative career, this is clearly one of the most important stories I think I've ever done. Where are we talking about? It's a big valley, so narrow it down for me. Well, we're talking about more than just one nuclear accident. Let me tell you this. I grew up in the San Fernando Valley. I had never heard of what is called the Santa Susana Field Lab. It was a once-secret government research facility. It's hidden in the hills right between the San Fernando and the Simi Valleys. It was built in the late 40s and the 50s to do nuclear research, arms, and rocket testing. And in 1959, there was a terrible nuclear accident there. The government never admitted that accident occurred until our station, KNBC, actually broke the story in 1979 that there had been a partial nuclear meltdown. But when it happened in 59 and when we reported it in 1979, the government said there was never any danger to the public. There was no radiation released into the atmosphere as a result of this accident. That was a big lie. Well, what, is a, what does a partial nuclear meltdown mean? Did they have, were they testing reactors? They were, yes, they were actually not testing. They were using a reactor. And you've got to remember, this was the dawn of the nuclear age. Uh, this was the arms race. The U.S. was racing to develop nu- its nuclear capabilities. There was a reactor, an experimental reactor there that was being used to generate power. And there was a meltdown. It's so complicated. I don't want to confuse you. But When a meltdown occurs, radiation builds up inside the reactor. These reactors were so primitive, they didn't have what's called a containment dome. If you've seen modern reactors, they have a big round dome. That keeps the radiation in. This one didn't have it. So in 1959, the workers were secretly told, open the doors of the reactor and let this stuff out into the air. And this was dangerous radioactive gas. They were sworn to secrecy not to do this. Not to, tell the, not to tell anyone that they had done this. They continued to vent radiation into the air over Los Angeles and Ventura counties for a period of weeks in the summer of 1959. But then they built more reactors at this field lab, and there were other incidents. Radiation was vented, according to the eyewitnesses that we interviewed, radiation was vented over Los Angeles into the 1960s. Radioactive waste was burned illegally on the grounds of the Santa Susana Field Lab for many years, sending plumes of radioactive smoke, again, over L.A. and Ventura counties. The government has never admitted this happened. We have gone back, tracked down some of the last surviving workers who were ordered to take part in these releases of dangerous radiation, and they have told us they've been sitting on this secret for most of their lives, but before they die, they want it out because they feel the public needs to know. And the reason, and this is what I have to tell you, the reason it's so important what happened decades ago is that this radioactive and chemical waste remains in the ground. It has never been cleaned up. So it remains in the ground on this test site, but it has been found in the ground and the water of the surrounding suburbs. All right, let's hold you there. because uh, I know I'm babbling on and on. No, no, you're There's not. So you say. told the story very well, but i got about a thousand questions. Got it. Although the way you're telling the story, I might not even have to ask them. You're probably <laughs> going to answer them all, but we're going to take a break and come back. Joel Grover Great. from NBC4 on this story about uh, nuclear meltdown, partial nuclear meltdown, nuclear waste, government cover-up in the San Fernando Valley. So hang in here. But first, let's get an update from the KFI Newsroom. Here's Libby. KFI AM 640, Bill Carroll. This is the, uh, you women, seriously, I love you. I do. I, I just love you. But you will 
fall for anything when it comes to skincare and now women, you know what the new thing is? The va 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 va. I can't even say it. I'll figure out how to pronounce it before the show's over. It's a V word. There's a V word, and it's like it's the V word mixed with facial, vajacial, maybe. That cannot be it. Um, I think it's vajacial. Go go check it out. You cannot be mixing those two terms. They have, <laughs> and it's sweeping the nation. So go check it out. At KFIAM640.com on the Bill Carroll page. Those two terms. It's, they have been mixed in the past, but in different ways. But no, this is it's a real thing. So it's just, could we move on now? Please go check it out. We'll maybe now Do I have not to dump that. We'll not know. We'll not talk about it later. In the Every show single after one of us is bright red. <laughs> I just want to let everyone know how bright red all of our faces. Brian, Ooh, Bill, it's just hot in here. Myself. Now, then we'll tell the story coming up next of the Sunnyvale Autistic Boys neighbors uh, who have gone to court. They are suing an autistic kid. Are you serious? And I'm going to ask you to jump in and get involved. Would you have sued under the same circumstances? Uh, Joe Grover is telling a terrifying story right now. He's got a two-night exclusive NBC4 News at 11 p.m. Two nights. It's about a partial nuclear meltdown and massive cover-up in the San Fernando Valley. And it, you can say, you know, it was pretty bad, but it goes back to the 50s and 60s. You could say, so what? The problem is it's ongoing. So, Joel, again, we're talking about the area you said in the San Fernando Valley as you, in the hills, as you head up to Simi Valley? Yes. Well, that's a fairly populated area now. I don't know what it looked like then. Well, it, it was just beginning to boom in the late 50s, early 60s, all these suburbs in the West Valley and Simi Valley, and now they are very populated. But, you know, I want to jump back about 30 seconds. You you really raised an important question, which is why are we doing a story about nuclear releases, uh, radioactive releases that happened 40, 50 and more years ago? And the reason is because the chemicals and the radiation that were released then remain in the ground, remain in the groundwater, and according to many studies, continue to pose a very serious threat to people who live in the San Fernando and Simi Valleys today. And there are many people that we interviewed in the course of this story who feel that they got cancer, cancers that are related to radiation exposure because of what happened at this one secret government research lab up in the hills. This uh, lab, the, uh, the location of it, what's there now? Well, the lab, the, the lab is still technically there. They have removed some of the buildings, but many of the nuclear reactor facilities remain there. It is not being used anymore. It hasn't been for a number of years, but it's a, one of the most toxic contaminated pieces of land in California. Is it secured? Uh, yes, there's a fence around it. I got as far as the fence. Um, yes, it's secured, but th- there's a huge ongoing issue. There are many people, many scientists, many people in the government that have been fighting to get this site cleaned up. And because the radiation and the toxic chemicals that remain on that site continue to run off-site, in the water, in dust in the air when it's windy out, 
they, these toxic chemicals and radiation continue to get out into the suburbs and are a continued threat to people. So there has been a huge fight to get this site cleaned up. And I cannot, I'm sorry to be coy, I can't give away too much of this because this is tomorrow night's report, the second report, but there has been a big battle in Sacramento and Washington. Corporate interests working hand-in-hand with some government bureaucrats behind the scenes to prevent a full cleanup of this site. That is a fascinating part of this story, too. There are many people that think this site should have been cleaned up decades ago, but it has not happened yet, and they think it continues to pose a huge threat to all of us. Well, let's just be happy at least, Joel, that they didn't build a subdivision on top of the site. That's the good good, news. Well, wait, 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 Bill, I have to interrupt you. I'm so sorry. There is a subdivision being built right below the site right now. Downhill from the site. Right over the ridge, about a mile and a half away, on land that four out of five studies showed is highly contaminated. That's another part of the story we will eventually get to. Who buys a home there? I don't know. That's a follow-up story for us when those homes are finally on on the market. They're under construction right now, again, just over the hill from where those nuclear reactors were, just over the hill from where the, the government has documented there's still serious radiation in the soil and the water. So, Joel, do you have an estimate of how many people live in an area where the, the, yeah. the radiation levels are serious well, enough that they're, they're an issue? There's, there's half a million people that now live within 10 miles of this government research lab because, again, it's tucked in the hills, but right between the West San Fernando and the Simi Valleys. Half a million people now live within 10 miles. How far that radiation has traveled, no one is sure because there have been a lot of people who have prevented studies of the soil and the water beyond the immediate areas. But a lot of people live very close to this site now. Hey, Joel, let's I do... Need to, wait, I wanna, I'm sorry. I keep interrupting no, you, No, no, just keep How going. Usually, I, just, usually so I do the interrupting, but that's yeah. all right. <laughs> you know, here's another, uh, there's another very big issue here. Just over the hill to the north of this site is one of the most popular summer sleepaway camps in California, a camp where 30,000 kids have gone, including, as I, it turns out, me, when I was 11 years old. I went wow. to a camp in Simi Valley for a month, a sleepaway camp, and radiation, years later, was found in the soil of this camp. Well, okay, so, you, you got a lot there. So let's, can we do this? Um, you're going to air part one tonight at 11 o'clock on NBC4. Yes. And then part two tomorrow night. And yes. at 11 p.m. as well. Can we talk Wednesday when I've seen both? It's all out there. And uh, we'll go back over some of the pol- – we'll, we'll review some of these details for people who won't have heard it. We'll Bill, talk about I the could, politics I of could it. fill four hours on your show. So have me back whenever you can. I, I have lots more to talk about, and I'd love to talk all about it. All right, here's, the, here's the new plan. I'm taking Wednesday off. You're going to come in and host I, the show. I'm talk all about it. Okay. We'll, 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 we'll find another time this week. I'd love to be on. I have lots more to say, and I think you probably have a lot more questions that I haven't let you ask. I think I do, but thanks for talking to us, Joel. And thanks, I understand Bill. you're not going to give it all away because you want people to watch this tonight. Yeah. And uh, I will be sound asleep, so I will TiVo it and watch okay. it in the morning. Oh, TiVo? That's so old-fashioned. I know. I record it, it. Whatever I do. You can watch it on our website, www.nbcla.com, tomorrow. Even easier. Even easier. I like that. All right. Okay. Okay. Thanks for having me on, Bill. Joel Grover, NBC4's investigative reporter. This two-part series that starts tonight. TiVo, tape, go online and watch it. Do whatever you want to do, NBC4, or catch it live at 11 o'clock tonight.
11 o'clock tonight, I'll be in bed. Uh, 11 o'clock tomorrow night, coming back from the Foo Fighters show at the Forum. And then straight to bed. Who am I kidding? I'll probably be home by 10.30 anyway. Wait, but, whoa. Bearing the lead there, you're going to the Foo Fighters? Not tonight. No, I know that. Tomorrow night. Why and, is that the and, lead? And, and because I don't remember getting tickets oh, for Libby, I don't remember myself, that Larry. either, You know, it's actually. funny. That's because you weren't offered them. We're Why all not? going to Foo you're Fighters You're bragging about how you're friends with the Foo Fighters. Why don't you bring us along? Thanks, Bill. How cool of you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Because guy. it's their hometown. Exactly. And they, they have a lot of friends. It's the hardest show there is to help Your you get to see. cousins were backstage it was in Glasgow. videos. How many friends does Pat have in Edinburgh? Wow, you love your cousins more wow. than us. If you want to catch a show sometime in England, I'll set it up. L.A., forget it. I, 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 I wanted to go tomorrow night. I couldn't even go because they're, they're inviting some uh, reality TV show friends they have. All to get a good seat in a restaurant, but uh, I don't blame them. Sorry, guys, you're on your own. I could hook you up with some scalpers tickets if you you want to pay double or Cold, triple. Cold, harsh reality right there. There you go. You find out who your friends are, huh? You're not my friends. We just work together. <laughs> Coming up next, uh, this California family sued over their autistic son. But first, an update from the KFI newsroom. If she's still on speaking terms with me, here's yeah. Lib. KFI AM 640, Bill Carroll. Let me sneak out of there. I wanted to ask her a question. Gone down the hall for a second. When she comes back, I want to know more about this rain. Just put, I just want you to answer one simple question. Do I turn off my sprinkler system for 24 hours or not? Because here's what I'm not going to do, all right? I'm not going to turn it off and then the rain doesn't come. I want guarantees of rain. Not unless you live in Orange County. It's my understanding. Yeah. LA is going to miss this this. Projected storm or potential for a storm? Because I'm looking at the forecast for uh, the L.A. basin and into the valley. It doesn't. I don't see any sign of rain. Clouds. County, i.e., look out. But with thunderstorms, you never know where they're going to pop up, right? So you could or could not get some. But that's uh, that's the only information that matters to me. You know, uh, where I in Glendale, where I live, they've got this new system now where they sent us this warning. They said it looks like you may have a leak. Because you used an unusual amount of water. And they had daily charts. They know exactly how much water I'm using every day. I got, I got to stop sneaking around and uh, breaking the rules. Uh, but I looked at it and went, yeah, that's unusual. That's not a sprinkler day. That's a lot of water. And I don't shower that long. So the next morning when the sprinklers came on, I looked around and I found there was a broken pipe. And water was running straight down our driveway out onto the street. So we had it, we had it repaired before the sprinkler system comes on again. So guess what? They're watching you. And I don't want them coming to my door. Hey, it rained yesterday, and uh, you had your sprinkler system on. Not only that, but you know what I realized? I could see the days, Tuesdays and Thursdays, that the sprinkler system is on. It is unbelievable. On the days it's not on, the little chart was just a little tiny. You could barely see the color showing up. And then, boom, an inch high on the... It's almost all the water we use is to water the lawns. Now my lawn is dead to me. That's it. I had no idea it was costing me that much more. I mean, that we got we got four people in the house showering and baths for the kids, and you could barely see the water usage. Of course, it was that one stinky weekend where we didn't leave the house, we didn't shower at all. No water was used. Who showers on the weekends? If I have to go out somewhere, I do. Yeah, that's for me. I mean, that's to be about polite. It. I'll jump yeah, in the otherwise, pool. Otherwise, you know you're supposed to shower before you go in a pool, right? Yeah, no. I have an idea, though. Here's a solution for you. Those stinky kids of yours. Why are you pointing at me like that? Because I have <laughs> like a, a Donald Trump half-finger point you're doing right now. 
put the kids out in the sprinklers. Let them take their showers. All of you, for that matter, take your showers when you're when you're running the sprinklers. Just Problem solved. Yeah, go out with a bar of soap. Just do it. Yeah. But, Daddy, it's so cold. I don't care. It's 4 o'clock in the morning. Shut up. We're not wasting this water. Enjoy it. Oh, Libby's back now. So, Libby, that's what I want in your weather forecast from now on, okay? And, Bill, yes, you can turn off your sprinkler system for 24 hours. Just a direct message to you about the sprinklers. And I don't... Got it. Unless the chance of rain is more than 70%, I'm leaving it running, okay? So that's the rule. Okay. All right. So that's... And that you should do that for everybody. Okay. And if you live in Simi Valley, you should turn off your water sprinkler system for 20. Honestly, that would be just as, or if not more useful than a normal weather report. It's the only thing that's useful. Like, what are the odds? I don't really want to hear. And it might rain. What does that mean, might rain? Might. There might, might a lot of things might happen in my life, but I want more direct odds on it. 30% chance overnight tonight. See, 30% is nothing. 30%, forget it. I'm not, I'm not planning around 30%. You don't buy it. No. Get me to 50%, I'm starting to think about it. But I, I really do need it around 70 Would you bring an umbrella to work if they told you it was a 30% chance of rain? I don't do umbrellas. I'm from Seattle. <laughs> we don't use them. We just tough it out. Seattle? I thought you guys just you handed out umbrellas like candies. No, no. We wear hoods. We wear North Fleece. Oh. Fleeces and hoods There's and so much jackets. rain. Exactly. You can't be carrying it all the time. Every item of clothing you own up there is rainproof. So why would you need an umbrella? Makes sense. I had that in when I lived near Glasgow when I was a kid. You didn't wake up in the morning and say, is it going to rain, Mom? You woke up in the morning and said, what time's the rain starting? And your mom said, it's raining all now, right now, Billy. Put on your hood and your wee wellies. Did you, you, you wear your wee wellies? wellies. Your wee wellies. Aww. Those boots, those rubber boots, the Wellington boots. Is that like a woolly jumper? Belly, you're nowhere near wellies, good. That puddle, you. I'd be splashing in the puddle with my sneakers on. What's a woolly jumper? A woolly jumper? I don't know. A jumper's a sweater, so it'd be a wool, wool sweater. Woolly jumper. Why? Where'd you get that from? Obviously. That's the only expression I've ever heard. Good, your woolly jumper and your wellies, Bill. Belly, before you go to the door. Okay, so this poor autistic kid. What are these neighbors doing suing this little kid and his family? Yeah, I'd sue him too. Uh, This family, though, in Sunnyvale is being forced to defend their lawsuit. Granted, it's a bit of a public relations complication. And, you know, I, I don't know what the facts are. But if the facts are as they're presented, then I understand it. And I know a lot of people are going to think that makes me evil. They're, they're suing the parents of a young boy with autism because they say the boy has become kind of a public nuisance. Two different couples launched this lawsuit on Friday, and they say, look, we, we went to the courts because we just were out of options. The family refuses to do something about this. What they say happens is that their child, autistic child, is constantly attacking their children that the child becomes violent, and the whole neighborhood, the kids are all traumatized over it. Robert Flowers says, I find it offensive that people assume I have no compassion for an autistic family when I'm simply trying to defend and protect my children from being assaulted. I'm listening to you, Robert. I'm listening to you. But the backlash has been unbelievable against him and his wife because there's about a, what was it, last Friday now? It came out a week's worth of media accounts. This is not about autism. This is about public safety. Spoke about the first time just recently. Uh, they were joined by their neighbors, Bindu Poten and Kumaran Sathananam, in their lawsuit against uh, 
Who's that wo- rom- woman who's running for public office? She would hear that name. Bindu and Kumaran, and she would think they were native North American Indians. Who is that I'm thinking about? I don't know why I'm blanking on that, but... Loretta Sanchez. Yeah, Loretta Sanchez, exactly. The Either the forehead dot or the war call is what she did. She did the war call, exactly. Yeah, really uh, classy and tasteful. So I'm saying this is more the forehead dot than the war call, but she wouldn't understand that because she's an idiot. Anyway, the son is 11 years old, this boy with autism, and they say that it's been going on for a bunch of years. He would kick and slap children, and he was biting people in the neighborhood. So, but the family of the autistic boy saying that's just not true, but they don't want to pay, they don't want to say anything until the, this litigation is solved one way or the other. Advocates for families with autistic children and relatives meanwhile, they're calling on they're calling this thing an outrage and they're worried that if the plaintiffs prevail, it could lead to copycat actions against other families with autistic relatives. I don't follow that logic at all. As long as your autistic child is not a danger to anyone, the autism is irrelevant here. It's the behavior. If it's dangerous to other children and the family doesn't do something to make sure that their ch- that these other children aren't being hurt, then what choice do you have to go do but go to the courts? Don't make this about autism. That's a cheap shot. The kid either behaves this way or if he doesn't. Listen, believe me, if I find that the child is uh, not hurting anybody, they just don't want an annoying autistic kid around the neighborhood, then I, I will turn against these two families instantly because that would be despicable. Boy who has continually attacked small children, including our own, uh, culminating in a brutal and vicious attack on my son's fourth birthday. But advocates for people with autism say the lawsuit is mean-spirited and misguided and believe there could and should have been a solution other than dragging the boy's family into court. As a parent of a child with special needs, you're kind of concerned, like, what if there's a precedent set? about this you know well what precedent the precedent that if somebody's running around the neighborhood kicking and punching and biting kids that it has to be stopped that there's nothing wrong with that precedent let's not overreact to this and that's what make that's what makes me sick about this these advocates are now saying well this is about every autistic child i don't think it is if your child for whatever reason is hurting other children it's your job as a parent to control them and i kind of doubt that these families would hire a lawyer unless they tried to resolve it some other way. They claim they did. They claim they tried to get the the family to make sure this kid was uh, being watched, that there was always a parent or a babysitter with him, not allowed out in the neighborhood alone. And they say they couldn't reach an agreement. So this is a last desperate effort for them. Calling a lawyer usually is because it costs money. What do you think about this? 800-520-1KFI. 800-520-1KFI. Your call's coming up. But first, an update from the KFI Newsroom. Here's Libby. KFI AM 640, Bill Carroll. Coming up at 12.05, a fire at UCLA at an apartment. And the woman suspect, we're going to dig into that. Eric is going to join us. KFI's Eric Leonard. There's another one uh, i, I got to talk about. I saw this on the weekend. Did you know that police are authorized to shoot at you from those helicopters? I don't know whether to be horrified or wonder why they don't do it more often. So we'll talk about that. It's happened, not just recently, but it's it's happened many times in the past. All coming up, they have permission to shoot at you from above. So we're talking about this story out of Northern California, Sunnyvale, where an autistic boy's neighbors say, this kid has been running around terrorizing the neighborhood. He kicks and punches our children. He bites. We've gone to the family. They, they, they don't want to do anything about it, so we're suing the family. 
lot of people online are furious with these two families for getting together and suing an autistic child's family. They're enraged. And uh, activist groups for children with autism, they're offended by it, saying there's got to be another way to resolve this issue, that it could be precedent-setting. What's the precedent here? That if your autistic child is biting the neighbors and you don't try to control the behavior, then you might be sued. That It could be precedent-setting. That sounds like a very good precedent to me. Now, I just want to say, I'm sort of trusting that they're telling the truth. If it comes out in court that they made it up, this kid's not a not a threat to anyone. They just don't like his behavior. Totally different matter. Well, let the courts figure that out. I, I don't. I, if the family of the autistic child isn't willing to settle, it's because they're either lying, or they're just not willing to control their child's behavior. So I'm not offended by this lawsuit. Actually, totally the opposite. What about you? Eight hundred five two zero one KFI. This is Jennifer. Go ahead, Jennifer. Hi, Bill. I just wanted to tell you I've worked in special education for 15 years. And I, let me preface this by saying, in this situation, I can almost guarantee it is 100% the fault of the parents who refuse to control their child. I have seen it over and over again. Those of us who work in special education are beat up. We're hit, we're punched, we're kicked, we're spit on. And if this child is out playing without supervision, these things can happen. And let me say, I agree with you. This has nothing to do with autism. I've worked with many autistic students that are so sweet, and they're going to have a future, especially if they have Asperger's. They're very, very high. But there's so many levels to autism. And every time the school districts try to do something, the parents will get an advocate, get an attorney, and they tie the hands of the school district, the teachers, the administrators, the paraeducators. Every time you try to complain about a child or do something about the behavior, they're put in the middle of, okay, we'll sue you. Thank you, Jennifer. Appreciate that. Uh, you know what? The one person you can't blame, the child. It's beyond the child's ability to control it. It's on the parents. Dalitha, go ahead. You're on with Bill Carroll. Hi. Um, I agree with Jennifer. I don't think it's about autism at all. I think it has to do um, with the parents controlling the child. Because I'm a nurse, and I work around a lot of special needs kids. And I know the parents get exhausted, and sometimes they're not as receptive to when you tell them your child is behaving in this or that manner. Yeah, I mean, it can't be fun to have an autistic child that does have a violent tendency. I, I have sympathy for them, but at the same time, the other kids in the neighborhood have a right to be protected. And if the family won't do it, then what, do you, what else are you going to do except go to the courts and get some kind of court order? Coming up next, Eric Leonard from the KFI Newsroom joins us to talk about that fire at the UCLA apartment and the female suspect coming up. We can say the woman who maybe did it, but it's not cop talk enough for me. So as we're saying, female suspect coming up. Bill Carroll, KFI AM 640.